Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Hey, good morning. Welcome to church today. My name is Micah Scharsberg. I have the honor and privilege of serving as the executive pastor here at Antioch, and excited to preach today. Um, and so uh, the first thing I want to do, though, is I want to introduce my family to you. Um, uh, my wife is down here. I don't think we have a picture up, but um, and we, I have, we have three kids. Uh, Mason is three, almost three, and we have identical twin girls, Reagan and Rose, who are uh, 20 months old. So uh, things are a little crazy around our house, uh, but it's fun, and we are so uh, thankful for the ways that the Lord has blessed us. As we've opened up this facility here, uh, we've kicked it off with this sermon series entitled One, Three, Five, Seven. And we've been talking about, uh, as we've uh, come in here, not just like, uh, yeah, just not just about this building, but what, what are the type of people that we want to be inside of this place? And who are we? And reminding ourselves of who we are and where we're going and who we're called to be. And so today I'm going to be unpacking that a little bit more. And we said, hey, we want to make some opportunities right from the get-go to encounter God and uh, quickly associate this place with the presence of God, which is why we did our prayer night this past Wednesday, which was awesome, just consecrating this place to the Lord. And then why, that's why we're doing the worship night with Upper Room this Friday night, was we're just saying, hey, we want this place to be marked by the presence of Jesus. Amen. And so our vision here at Antioch, the, the one thing we've talked about is... Uh, to share and multiply the life of Christ in the church through new disciples, new life groups, new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all people. This is where we are going. This is our North Star. This is what everything we do as a church is oriented around. It's why I'm here. It's why you're sitting in this room. And then last week, Jamie unpacked that a little bit more in terms of our lifestyle. And so what does this look like in the way that we are living our lives? What are the values that are shaping our behaviors? And that being encounter, disciple, and mission. So the one vision and then the three aspects of our lifestyle. And then today I'm going to be unpacking the five different models of church within which we orient the way that we do church. So how do we take these ideas, this vision, and these values, and how do we actually work them out in church life on the ground level? It's got to land somewhere. And so we're talking about our practices today. And so five years ago, when I stepped into this executive pastor role, one of my dreams was to see this facility, this facility renovated and built out, this worship center built, uh, and our facility renovated. But today's message is really about uh, what my dream for the type of people that would inhabit this facility. Because we all know that this is just brick and mortar, and it's going to pass away. But the church is the people, right? It's the people of God, the sent out, uh, the called out ones, the, the sent out ones. That's the church. That is, that is who Jesus considers our church. And so this is just a tool. This facility is just a tool for us becoming the type of people that he has called and created us to be. Amen. And so my main thing this morning is that Jesus is inviting us to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You have an invitation today, whether you're up here or you're sitting in, the, in your seat, you have an invitation to build Jesus' church. 
Nobody is exempt from this invitation. Isn't that awesome? We all have that opportunity. And it's his church. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to Jamie. It doesn't belong to anybody on staff. It it belongs to Jesus. It's his church. It's his bride. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's just his promise. Uh, It's his promise. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love talking about the church. Um, And because it's personal for me. Um, If you know my testimony, you know that, uh, man, Jesus used the church powerfully in my life to shape my walk with Jesus. And it was where I met Jesus, where I had other godly men investing in my life. It was where I encountered the Holy Spirit. It was where I was given this gift of godly and holy community. Uh, It was where I was encouraged and where I was given a sense of calling and purpose in my life. I love the church, and I, I love talking about the church. Today we're going to uh, read, and our main passage is going to be Acts 2, 42 through 47. And uh, so I invite you to open up your Bibles there or read along on the screen. And if you've been around Antioch very long, you've probably heard this uh, scripture passage. But man, let's not let familiarity breed contempt. It's still the word of God, Right? I was at this conference, quick side, and I was at this conference, and they're like, man, if I hear somebody else talk about Acts 2, 42 through 47, I'm going to like throw up in my mouth. And I was like, bro, like, like, like just because, yeah, that is gross. Uh, but just because you've heard it a lot doesn't make it untrue. Okay, the word of God, it's true. It's still true. Every part, every part of it. And so, uh, man, this is a vision of a holy community. Um, and I'm excited to unpack this this morning. So let's read uh, together. If you guys wouldn't mind just standing up. And actually, I want us just to read this. To, can we just read this together? Is that all right? Can we do that? Uh, is, that is that against the rules? Is that, no, is that allowed? Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, let's read together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this vision of biblical community. And God, we ask that by your grace, you would breathe on us to be this type of community. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this is a beautiful glimpse and picture of New Testament community. And doesn't your heart just long for this? Doesn't your heart long for this type of community, this type of worship, this sense of God's presence? Um, Maybe you've had a taste of this at certain times in your life, uh, in your journey uh, with the church. And um, man, don't lose hold of that. Capture that. And we need that. We need you bringing the beautiful parts of your own church experience from your past into this place so that we can form this type of community here. 
And so today I'm casting vision for this type of holy, healthy, and life-giving community in our midst and our context, which we would define as the life-giving church. And so simply, we define a life-giving church as the people of God, marked by the life, love, joy, and mission of Jesus. The people of God marked by the life, love, joy, and mission of Jesus. And so I'm going to use the term life-giving and healthy interchangeably this morning. So we unashamedly want to be a life-giving. We want to be a healthy church. And so um, healthy things grow and growing things multiply. And so, man, we believe that God has called us to be a healthy church that's growing and multiplying by the grace of God. And so life-giving church just doesn't happen though. Like if you're a gardener, which I am not, I know that it takes a lot of intentionality to cultivate and grow things that are healthy and strong. And so uh, that's the kind of church that we want to be. But life-giving takes work. And we got to know that going in uh, because life-giving church doesn't just happen without humility, without repentance, without working through conflict, without turning towards one another, without forgiveness, without keeping Jesus at the center, without renewing our minds, laying our lives down for one another daily for an ever-deepening revelation of the Father and filling of the Holy Spirit. Life-giving church doesn't just happen. It takes intentionality on our own parts to see it happen, but it's worth it, right? And so we need a high view of the church if we're gonna engage in the hard work to do those things because those things aren't easy, all right? It's, it's, it's not easy to do those things. It's not easy to do relationship with one another, but we have to have Jesus' vision of the church if we're gonna be willing to engage in that. Jesus talks, I'm not gonna unpack all of it today, but Jesus talks about the church as his bride, right? Revelation 19, we're invited to the wedding supper of the lamb and Jesus' church is his bride. It's the fullness of Christ in every way. It's the eternal purpose of God. It's the plan A for redemption in the world. There is no plan B. Jesus loves his church. Is the church perfect? No, it's not. And yet Jesus has chosen it as his vehicle and as his bride. Uh, Sometimes, you know, coming back to the New Testament church, it's like, man, we just want to be like the New Testament church. And I'm like, really? Like, have you read the book of Corinthians? Like, Have you read about the church at Ephesus or Philippi? Man, there's some messed up stuff going on in that church. Uh, I don't want to be like that. Incest, drunkery, addiction, debauchery, racism, uh, mistreating the poor. I mean, you name it, it's in there. And yet God is saying, these are my people. And, And so the holy scriptures that we have are born out of this broken community of people trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. That should encourage you that despite your own brokenness and our brokenness, that there's hope for us because Jesus is not done with us. He's not done with us. And so he he loves us so much that he's not going to leave us where we're at. All right. So don't let what's wrong with you stop us from worshiping what's right with God. Okay. There's an invitation here to be a life-giving church. And thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us to our own devices, but he partners with us in the process, and that's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. If anybody should have been disqualified, it was the disciples. Once again, I, sometimes I think we just paint the disciples in like this pretty picture. I'm like, if you read the Gospels, they are not painted in a pretty uh, good light. Like they're always missing it. 
over and over and over. They're missing it. And yet Jesus takes these guys that continually miss it. We're fighting. We're trying to call down fire on people. And uh, he turns them into these powerful apostles that start and launch the church. Like Jesus, if I were around you at that time, I probably would not have chosen those 12 guys. One of them even betrayed him. You know, it's like, Jesus, didn't you know Judas was going to betray you? Like, why did you choose him? And, and so Jesus is at work, even in our brokenness. I'm so thankful. And so as we read through the New Testament, we as a church are looking for what are the values that we see? How did they respond to challenges and persecution? What were their church planning methods? And so these five circles are born out of, you know, it's not the only way. It's not uh, the right way. This is just, our, when, as we read through the scriptures, this is just what we have a conviction about. And so the first component of a healthy church, a life-giving church, is members connecting with Jesus individually. This is the first circle. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the first thing we see is devotion in this passage. They're devoted to Jesus. They're devoted to the word of God. They're devoted to fellowship. They're devoted in the place of prayer. And this is where everything starts, right? Surrender to Jesus is where we have to start. And so I can't surrender to Jesus for you. Only you can do that. And only you are going to stand before God and give account for your own life and the way you've lived. Um, but the church is meant to encourage and edify us in our own walks with the Lord, all right? So it works hand in hand with one another. And so um, we unashamedly call everyone to spend time with Jesus every day. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm a nicer person after I've spent time with Jesus. Just ask my wife, okay? I, 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 I'm more patient, I'm more gracious, I tend to believe the best about people. I don't draw assumptions. Uh, I'm not as insecure. I'm not as controlling. I'm not as prideful. Would you guys like me to go on? Uh, uh, but for real, y'all, I'm a different person when I spend time with Jesus. And so it's not legalistic if it draws us closer to Jesus. Uh, I need it every day. It's like, I, you know, it's not legalistic for me to like eat breakfast in the morning. Like I actually really want to eat breakfast in the morning. Like, mm, give me some of that oatmeal. Let's go, right? Uh, I'm ready, right? I'm ready to connect with Jesus. It's awesome. It's the best part of my day. And Jesus uh, himself spent time with the Father. Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, 16, Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places to pray. Okay, uh, last time I checked, Jesus is the son of God. And if the son of God needed to spend time with Jesus, maybe we do too. I'm, you know, just, just throwing that out there, right? Like, why did G, he was God. Like, why did he need to spend time with his father? Well, but that's, that's what he's modeling for us. He's saying, hey, he was fully God and fully human. He's saying, hey, this is what it means to be a follower of, 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 of God. This is what it means to be a disciple of me is to spend time with me. And so Jesus is modeling for it. So the reason why worship is alive, the teaching is encouraging, people are welcoming here is because they're spending time with Jesus. 
John 15, 15, like, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything apart from him. And so, man, Jesus is our life source that we have to be tapped into every day, time in the word, every day, time in prayer. And so be real with Jesus. Don't show up in your time with Jesus and present a fake version of yourself. He can see right through that. Be real. Like he can take it. He can take your anxiety. He can take your angst. He can take your pain and your frustration. He understands you like nobody else can. And, and despite, he knows about your sin. And so just bring it to him. He knows it. It doesn't, God's not scared of your sin. He died for it. He's not scared of your sin. He's embraced, he's calling you into that place of intimacy and authenticity with the Lord. So if we do this, if we respond to Jesus in this place, man, how much richer is our community gonna be here? And so the second component of a healthy church is members gathering in groups of two to three for the purpose of discipleship. To be a disciple of Jesus is to make disciples. And so Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered, there I am with him. Isn't that beautiful? When we just gather in groups of two and three, Jesus promises to be there with us, even when we don't feel him, like he's there. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. The way we define discipleship around here is discipleship is an intentional investment in someone's life for a season with the purpose of learning to love and obey Jesus together and to teach others to do the same. When we look at the life of Jesus, he was always discipling. He was always spending time with his disciples. That was the primary vehicle of his ministry. Yes, did he teach to the thousands? Yes, he did. Um, But where was the majority of his time spent? It was with the 12 and even more exclusively with the three, Peter, James, and John. I don't think that was by accident. I think Jesus was being very intentional. And then when he would send them out, he'd send them out two by two, right? They're doing mission in the context of small groups. Whenever I'm on a mission trip, man, we send people out, or I'm leading one, or I'm on one, we send people out in twos and threes. It's just how we do it, because it's the most effective vehicle of ministry, Uh, when you're ministering and sharing the gospel. And so, um, man, there's something beautiful about walking in discipleship with others. I am a different person because of the men that have invested in my life, and I'm so thankful for them. I'm different. Um, And so, uh, man, but when I'm left to my own devices, I typically, I don't know about you, but I typically default to what is comfortable, (laughs) what is easy, you know? Like, nah, I don't think I want to do that, you know? Like, I don't think I want to get up and spend time with Jesus, right? I think I'm just going to sleep a little bit more um, because that's what's easy. But when I got other men in my life, they're calling me up and they're calling me out. They're calling me uh, to be a man, the man of God that God has created me to be. And they're seeing in me things that I don't see in myself. And so we need people in our worlds to link arm with us, arms with us and call us out in a loving and kind way, but to call us to a higher place. You're made for more, Micah. You're made for more. I got something better for you, right? And so, man, we need those people just speaking that truth into our life over and over and over. And and so when we're discipling others, we're not like making disciples of ourselves. We're making disciples of Jesus. 
There's a big difference there. Uh, I don't want anything to do with that, and, I, and you probably don't either. Uh, but man, when we are leading people to Jesus, just let, lead people to Jesus and let him disciple them. He's the best discipler. So just get out of the way, all right? Just, just bring them to the word, right? Like, what is Jesus saying here? Uh, just, I think we, sometimes we make disciple, we over-spiritualize discipleship. <laughs> Let, can we just get it on the ground level today? We all need Paul's investing in us. We need Barnabas's who are friends that we can just run with. And we need Timothy's uh, to invest in. And so to be a disciple means to be a learner. That's what disciple means. It means to have a teachable spirit. So if you think you got it all together, you can't be a disciple. But if you're willing to say, you know what, I haven't figured it all out. There's things I still need to learn. Then there's an invitation for you. People that are hungry, they're humble, they're faithful, they're available, they're teachable. Those are the marks of a disciple. And that's what I want to be. That's the attitude that I want to have. And so, so many times I, I feel like people are afraid to engage in discipleship because they're afraid uh, they're going to be found out. So can we just all admit that we don't have it all together and we're all broken, right? Just throwing that out there, all right? So everybody's broke. So turn to your neighbor and say, you got some problems. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm messed up too. <laughs> hey, it's just the truth, y'all. All right? I'm just saying it like it is this morning. And so uh, let's just, man, if we stop trying to put up the front that we've got it all together, maybe we can get the help that we need. Okay? Permission to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. All right? But God loves you too much to leave you there. Okay? All right. And so uh, how to engage in discipleship? Just ask. Hey, would you disciple me? And if they say no, don't get offended. Okay? Uh, and... Uh, if you ask, just ask someone to say, hey, do you want to do a discipleship group with me? And if they say no, don't get offended, okay? Just go ask somebody else. Just, just keep asking, okay? Um, if adults scare you, um, uh, how about teenagers? Teenagers, would you guys st stand up for me real quick? Um, there's more of them. Uh, but Graydon and Christina... And Isaiah and Lauren cannot disciple all of these students. They need other people to disciple them. I mean, they don't look too scary. I mean, y'all don't look too scary. Uh, y'all can be seated. If, those, if teenagers scare you, how about my son? He's three years old. Uh, serving our kids' ministry. Is, we don't just view it as like, like, that's discipleship. Okay, can we just demystify discipleship a little bit? And let's just get it on the ground level. Man, there's an invitation for everybody to be a disciple who's making disciples. Okay, if you're waiting until you all have it all together to start discipling other people, you're going to be waiting a long time. Okay? All right. All right. I'm moving on. Uh, all right, third circle here, house to house. Okay? All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, which I'll say something about in a moment. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You see, life groups are the primary place where lasting life change happens. It's where the gifts of the body can be expressed, 
and used. And so, uh, man, this is a meaningful model of ministry uh, that is given to us in the Word of God. And, uh, man, it's a place where our children get to participate with us. Uh, and it's where we get to reach out to others in our community, in our neighborhood. And so the mission of life groups is to see reproducing small groups around our city that facilitate making disciples of all ages by encountering Jesus in worship, biblical application, transparent community, and intentional outreach. And so no matter how weak your house church may be, it's central to our purposes here. I don't know if you know this, but Antioch Fort Worth, formerly Christ Fellowship, started as a life group. And it's been core to the way we've done church for the last 28 years. And so, um, man, there's something powerful about getting into someone's home and worshiping in that setting. There's an intimacy there that you can't get in this room. And so uh, we know that. We're aware of that. And so we're very intentional with the way we talk about life groups. And we don't see life groups as a ministry of the church. They are the church. It's not just an extracurricular activity where like, oh, like the people in our church are, you know, they're really bored. They don't have anything to do. Maybe we should like come up with another thing to fill their schedules. Yeah, that's a great idea. What do you think? Let's do it. Um, No, no, we're not trying to fill up your schedules with just meaningless activity, right? Like we're trying to give you guys some uh, meaningful, life-changing community. That's what we're aiming at here. And so we intentionally limit the amount of different ministry things we have going on so that people can commit to Sunday mornings and commit to life group. There's intentionality behind this. And so we view life groups not as a party, but as a where somebody, you know, you're the host of the party, you, you do all the work, and then everybody leaves and you have to clean everything up. Uh, no, it's like a potluck. It's like everybody is bringing something to the table, and then everybody else gets to benefit from what you've brought. Okay, so everybody's got a place in life group. Uh, and, and so, and there's a place to use your gifts. And so in college, I was exposed to this community for the first time, and it, it blew my mind. I had never worshiped in somebody's home before. Now, it's normal for me now, but at first I was like, this is weird. Like, what is going on? Uh, and I'd never like, uh, I'd never like, uh, confess my sin in a, like a prayer group, right? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'd never been prophesied over. Like, uh, I had never studied the word in somebody's home. Um, and so, man, all these things at first, like, were really strange to me, but now I just love and I just relish. And so, Rachel and I have said, hey, life group is a value for us, and we're going to orient our schedules around life group and not the other way around. And it's, it's a holy community that we're so thankful for. And so the reality is, is that, you know what church looks like in most places in the world? It looks like life group. And, and so we're actually like intentional in training people on how to do life group so that people, you can go anywhere in the world, literally anywhere in the world and take this model with you. Yes, is there some cultural differences that you have to adapt to? Absolutely. But the model is... It works, y'all. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. In different places around South Africa and India and Dominican Republic, I've seen it working. In Peru, Peru, I mean, it's beautiful, y'all. It's beautiful when you sit with believers on a dirt floor and they're just worshiping Jesus. 
All right, fourth circle here is the temple courts. Um, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And so we see temple courts and house to house. It's like two wings on a plane and they balance each other out. And so um, I want to encourage us not, and I'm going to say a little bit more about this, but don't get, don't get out of balance, okay? So we, we need the house to house and we need the temple courts. And so, uh, man, we want to be people who are passionately worshiping God as a response to what Jesus has done for us as worthy of all our praise and all our lives and all our worship and our, and our, our services here are an expression of thanksgiving for that. And so, um, man, man, people consistently tell me, like Micah, like, man, Antioch is such a life-giving place. It's, there's the life of God there, right? So well, why is that? Well, well, really, it's because, um, man, it's because we're in our, one another's lives throughout the week. It's because we have relationship with one another, and so we're showing up and we're, and, and we're seeing people that we have a relationship with. And, and, and man, that makes it fun. That's what makes it exciting. So uh, do you have to be in a life group to come to church here on Sunday? Absolutely not. No. Uh, but, but we see uh, Sunday mornings more as just a collection of individuals uh, and more so like a gathering of life groups coming to celebrate the presence of God together. And it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. And so, um, uh, yeah, Sundays is like a big party. It's, we're getting in the presence of God. We're getting focused discipleship uh, from Jamie through our preaching, uh, life-giving fellowship. And we want to engage the guests and equip the believer. Engage the guests, equip the believer, reach the lost. That's what we're trying to do on Sunday mornings. What are we trying to do? We're trying to engage the believer, engage the guests, equip the believer, and reach the lost. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do every single Sunday. And, that's, and, and Sundays really are like the rudder of our ship. They're directing the vision of the whole church body. And so we are very, we don't just like randomly try to come up with sermon series. Like we really seek the Lord in a communal context. And it's not just Jamie, like telling everybody what we're going to do. Like Jamie is a communal leader. Like he is, he incorporates other people into the vision of the church. It's beautiful. I love it. So thankful for the way he, he leads. And, and so we're trying to co- collectively discern, okay, God, where are you leading us as a church body? And, and then life groups and temple courts are tied together. And so our life groups are debriefing and unpacking the scripture that we just heard preached on Sunday. So Jamie takes the deep dive, right? And then on, uh, in life groups, we unpack it so that we can move into life application. So we're not just hearing the word and then forgetting about it, but we're hearing and we're putting it into practice with other people holding us accountable and encouraging to walk out in those things. Does that make sense? So you see how these are meant to work in conjunction with one another, faith and deeds. Fifth circle here, mission in the world. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. God has made us uh, to reach other people. It's far too easy to get self-centered and self-focused. And so even in the church, and so we must not forsake our calling to gather and scatter. We are a go people. And it's a marker on us as a church, as a movement. We have been and we will be. Go involves action. Go involves vision. Go involves leaving something comfortable behind for something better. We are a go people. It's a marker on us. Antioch, where does that come from? It comes from the church 
at Antioch in the book of Acts. And they were a church planting church. Outside of Jerusalem, they were the first one to send out churches and plant churches in all places of the world. We have that identity as a church. We are a go people. And so, um, man, uh, missions is not just for the super spiritual folks who are willing to move overseas. And this is for all. And I just want to, once again, like I was trying to demystify and lower the bar on discipleship, like I want to do that today and lowering the bar in terms of living on mission. So I'm going to invite Chris up here to help, help do that. And uh, where's that handheld mic? Uh, Isaiah, right there. And so Chris uh, is just a member of our body and he owns his business. And this uh, summer he spent seven weeks serving in the Middle East, leading one of our intern bases. And so, man, I just wanted Chris to come today and to just talk about, hey, what is, what is the, the why behind the what of what you do in business and then your decision to go spend seven weeks in the Middle East with your family? And so uh, what does mission uh, in the world look like for you, Chris? Well, the, the real simple answer is just Jesus, right? Because <laughs> um, he's worthy of everything. He's worthy of all of our praise and what we do. But something I just want to highlight real quick before I, I go into any testimony from this summer is, like, guys, I don't want you to miss what Mike has been saying about, like, prayer and focusing on Jesus. Because when you focus on Jesus, you really do demystify disciple-making. Like, when we do disciple-making movements overseas— all we're doing is, is seeking the Lord, and people just come, and we introduce them to Jesus through the Bible. It's nothing we do. It's everything Jesus does through his word. He speaks to you. That's a living word. And so as you focus on Jesus, people just come to you. In, the, in Acts 2, what we read this morning, um, it doesn't say they, they worked, 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 worked. They gathered, they broke bread, and they prayed. If you guys focus on a task, you're going to miss the point. You will. You'll, you'll get burnt out. And that's what happened to us when we lived in North Africa. We focused on a task and we got burnt out. We ended up back here. But that's shifted now. And so, um, and just going into to the why now, because now we focus on Jesus, we see how important he is. And there are people, like, you guys have been seeing what's going on over the world right now. Like, people have not heard about Jesus. And so, Bailey and I actually started our company to help bring sustainability to churches and workers worldwide, and we're still working on that and developing it. We've only been in business for almost two years now, but we're actually uh, starting that, like right now, we're building our first house in Ethiopia for an orphan family. Um, but on top of that, we also started, because the Lord calls us to go somewhere, we want to be able to just go. And so, when James approached us last January to to lead our, our college students and young adults to go to the Middle East for seven weeks, we were like, we can actually do this. Let's, let's just drop everything and go. And so we did. Um, and so, and, and I wanted to share a testimony from this summer to also like the why. We were in a little island. I don't, I'm not going to say the, the name of the country for security purposes, but there was a woman there who one of the long-term workers had been meeting with. And she, um, she had just come to know Jesus, and they gave her a Bible. She's been reading it. She was pregnant with her first kid. She was excited to raise this baby for Jesus. The husband, who's a police officer on this island, found out, and he actually gave her an anti-abortion pill, and it killed the baby, ripped up her Bible, and beat her. Well, we were with the long-term workers that day, or not that day, but after, and they're like, can we just drive y'all to, to her village 
and can y'all just pray over her? So we literally loaded into this van, all like, however, I don't know how many there were of us guys, y'all can tell me, there's like seven of us in this van, and we just sat outside of her apartment. We didn't even, we didn't even meet her. We just prayed for like 30 minutes over her house. Two days later, I got breakfast with one of the long-term workers who um, told me the night after we prayed, he went to their house to have dinner with their whole family. And guys, this is the power of prayer. This is why you focus on Jesus. Her dad, who had ripped up her Bible to the second Bible and beat her, came up to the worker and said, for the past six months, I wanted to die. I pray every night that God would just let me not wake up. But I found my daughter's new Bible, and I've been reading Psalms. I have hope now. Can you please teach me more about Jesus? Guys, and now she's pregnant with twins. We didn't even meet her. We just prayed. That's the power of prayer. That's what gathering, breaking bread. When you pray, the spiritual realm has changed. The atmosphere changes. That's what we get to do. And that's what, like, guys, we wouldn't be in this space if Jamie, Todd, James, Micah weren't in that prayer room all the time. That's what living on mission is. It's just being in prayer, spending time with the Father, saying, Lord, you're so beautiful, and your numbers grow. You don't have to do anything. And so, yeah. Amen. Y'all give it up for Chris. I, I think what I hear Chris talking about there, it's, man, we all have an invitation to pray for our spheres of influence, right? We talk about that a lot around here. And so mission in the world is not so much about location as it is um, the heart behind what we're doing right where we are. And so is there an invitation to do it uh, in the nations? Absolutely. We'll want to train you and send you to do that. But there, there's also an invitation for all of us. And so um, I'm thankful that we are a go people. And so let me tie this all together this morning. Um, um, the five circles of healthy church is simply language uh, for describing different aspects and components that make up his church. And so, like I said, we've got our church-wide vision, we've got our lifestyle, and then we've got these five circles. And if we're doing things the right way, you're going to see encountered, everything is going to be in line with our church-wide vision, working towards that. And then you're going to see encounter disciple mission being played out in every single one of these spheres. So you're going to see in our time with the Lord, there's going to be encounters, disciple, mission. In our discipleship groups, encounter, disciple, mission. In our life groups, encounters, discipling, mission, living on mission. In our Sunday mornings, encountering God, making disciples, living on mission. And in our mission in the world, we're going to be teaching people to encounter the Father. We're going to be making disciples and we're going to be teaching them to live on mission, right? And so uh, these things flow together and they integrate. That's with great intentionality. And when they work together the way that they're meant to work, man, it is like a, uh, it releases synergy and energy into seeing something really beautiful happen. And so when they're working hand in hand in balance with each other, man, the strength of each is fully released. But don't follow one to the obsession. Uh, don't, don't be obsessed, so obsessed with one uh, that you, you, you get it out of balance. And so um, like obsession to one is deception to all. Okay? We need balance here in expressing these different, this different model, these different models of ministry. And each circle is simply a wineskin. It's not a, 
list of to-dos. It's just an invitation and an evaluation tool into holistic and healthy church life, okay? And so when we invite the Spirit of God to breathe on this model, man, it animates us and it makes us into the church that we're created to be. You see, wineskins with no wine are meaningless. And wine with no wineskins is chaotic and it's useless. But when you pair those two together, godly ways, God's message with godly ways, man, we're gonna see the power of God released in our midst. And I really believe that it's gonna lead to thousands of people being saved and changed and transformed and restored and healed. And, and, And who knows what God's gonna do through this church. And so, man, I'm casting a vision for all of us and inviting all of us into that today. And so why don't you guys stand with me as our band comes forward as we wrap things up today. And as they do, I just want to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up so we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So it's when the church body is, everyone is operating in their own giftings that the fullness of Christ and the aroma of Christ is let out into the world. Man, we need everybody in the church to be who we are called to be. And so what would it look like, our ministry team, y'all can come forward as well. What would it look like if every person in our church was spending time with Jesus each day? Would it look like if every person in our church was discipling someone else and being discipled? Would it look like if every person in our church was engaged in a life-giving life group community? Would it look like if everybody in our church was engaging with Sunday morning and how this would be just a party and a celebration each and every week? And what would it look like if every person in our church was engaging and living on mission in their sphere of influence? That is a beautiful picture of church that I want to be a part of. And so we are believing God that he is going to do something beautiful, not because of us, but because of what he's done and how he's inviting us into it. And so as we respond this morning, I just want to invite you to close your eyes right where you're at. Jesus, we invite you in here this morning. And and Lord, we want to respond in faith today, Lord. And so God, what's the one thing that you are calling us to What's the one step that you are calling us to take? Where do we need to just lean in a little bit? Where have we grown complacent, God? And we want to step in, Lord, where have we been ashamed or afraid that we're not good enough or we don't have what it takes or we're not spiritual enough? God, would you just wash that away this morning, Jesus? And Lord, would we step into your purposes for the church? Jesus, we want to be your church. Lord, we want to be the fullness of Christ. Lord, we want to be the display of your splendor for the world to see, Jesus. We want to be a place of restoration and redemption and salvation, God. We can't do it on our own, but we know if you breathe on us, God, you're going to make us into those people, Lord. We believe that you are good and we are your bride and we want to partner with you in this place, Jesus. We trust you, Jesus. We look to you, God, as the head of the church. You are the head. We are the body. You are the head. We are the body, Lord. You are the head. We are the body. And we want to respond to you today in Jesus' name. 
The worship band is going to lead us here. I want to invite you to come forward. If the Lord's stirring your heart in a specific way to respond, or if you just have any other prayer need, anything else going on in your life that you need a breakthrough in, uh, man, these people are here to pray for you. If he's breaking, specifically shame, I feel like the Lord wants to break off some shame this morning. Uh, a perfectionism or performance that he wants to break that off. And so if that's you, just want to invite you to come forward and pray. Let's worship here for a few moments.